Welcome to the season two finale of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by ChangeUp. I'm Matt Satilli. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Owen Shadrick. Owen, it is great to see you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. A lot of big news in the Futures League this week, but also very excited for you guys to hear this episode with the championship MVP, Kyle Bouchard. It was a long time coming. Really excited for you guys to hear this episode. It'll be a great one. Kyle was awesome to talk to. We finished season one with Kyle Jackson, the championship coach. And why not finish season two with the championship series MVP? So Kyle was a great guest. Excited for you guys to hear this one. But the big news that we have to talk about, the Futures League is coming to Vermont. The Vermont Lake Monsters are going to become the next Futures League franchise. The former minor league affiliate of the Oakland Athletics who played in the New York Penn League. They've been in existence for 28, 29 years, and now they're joining the Futures League as the FCBL goes to Vermont. Awesome news. Welcome to any Lake Monsters fans listening to the podcast for the first time. Owen, what else can you tell us about the team? Yeah, the town of Burlington, Vermont is absolutely beautiful, and we are blessed to be able to play at Centennial Field, which has been open since 1906. Absolutely crazy, and another historical ballpark to add to the list. And very excited for this team to join the Futures League. If you guys want to find out more information about them, vermontlakemonsters.com is the place to go. You can also follow them on Facebook and Twitter at VT Lake Monsters or on Instagram at Vermont Lake Monsters. Really excited to have these guys in the league and excited to see what they produce this summer. Absolutely. And we'll be sure to have all the content welcoming in various individuals from the Lake Monsters. Be sure to stay tuned for some of that content. We got some great stuff in the works coming up as the 2021 season rapidly approaches, which we cannot wait for. So, you know, a lot of Lake Monsters news to come and a lot of Futures League news in general. But for right now, here's our season two finale with Nashua Silver Knights first baseman, Kyle Bouchard. At this time, we now welcome on a very special guest. This summer, he was named the 2020 Futures League Championship MVP, where he put up a stat line of five RBIs, three runs, a double, a home run, and a walk in three games for the 2020 Futures League champion, Nashua Silver Knights. It is Kyle Bouchard. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Well, it's always good to see a new face, especially someone who helped lead their team to a championship last summer, and we needed to get you on for this for our season two finale here. So, what was it like playing baseball this summer and being a part of the championship ride? Um, it was kind of a blessing, honestly, with the whole COVID-19 experience and everything like that, shutting the season down, you know. I had no idea what the future was going to hold, if I was going to be playing anymore or whatnot. But uh, when the NCAA reinstated, I kind of sat down with my parents, talked over everything and made the decision I'm going to come back and play again. So, um, And then playing in Nashville this summer was honestly a crazy experience. Um I honestly didn't expect to be going up there and playing. I saw Cam Cook when I went up just to see some of the guys from my team, and we just started talking. And, uh, you know, he's like, maybe we can get you on the team here in the last few weeks. And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I just wanted to go and get ready for coming back to school and everything like that in the fall. So it was definitely a crazy experience. Yeah, crazy doesn't even begin to describe it. As Cam has told us many times, he said he pulled you, quote, off the streets. So what were the discussions like with Cam, and how did he ultimately convince you to play in Nashua? Yeah, so he did text me at the start of the summer and just told me about how everything was going on with COVID and how they're allowing some of the graduates to come back and play. And, you know, that was an option for me, but ultimately I had to work and make some money over the summer. So I couldn't do it necessarily at the start. And um, 
later in the summer, I kind of earned all the money I really needed for the school year and things like that. And I met up there and we were talking and I was just like, Hey, like if you need a guy, like I was like, I'll sit the bench, I'll do whatever you guys need. Like just to be, if you need another body or whatever, like I'll just show up, do my thing, like help the team, whatever way I can. And he's like, yeah, honestly, he texted me and he's like, can you come up this day? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I don't remember the exact day, but I was like, I'm definitely showing up. (laughs) Yeah. And that's so true. Getting the money up before the final year of school, making sure you got loose ends tied in. So is it true that you were working at Home Depot during the summer? Because the the infamous quote goes that you traded in your lumber at Home Depot for a lumber bat and again, used it quite well in Nashua. Yeah. So I was actually working at Home Depot uh, all summer. So um, it was definitely a good experience there. Can't complain there, but uh, yeah, that, that quote definitely is true. <laughs> That's fantastic. And Hey, there's nothing like playing baseball. So you got what you wanted in the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and obviously team chemistry is super important to a team like a summer baseball team where you don't know a lot of the guys. So how were you welcomed in that locker room and what was the clubhouse chemistry like? Yeah. So it definitely helped going in knowing that there was guys from my uh, collegiate team there. So going in right there, I was already friends with them, and it was easy to kind of, like, build off that. Um, A lot of the other guys, too, uh, I played against either in the Futures when I played for the Vineyard or um, just over playing college and things like that. So I knew a good amount of them. Um, But team chemistry definitely, I have to say, is, like, the biggest thing, especially on a summer ball team. So uh, going in, I just wanted to feel it out, see how everything was going, wanted to join the culture and kind of do what they were doing. Um, I didn't want to change anything up because ultimately they were playing good and you just want to keep the ride going. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be really neat to probably face some of those guys this spring once the D3 schedule's announced and you guys get a little bit more underway here. So taking a deep dive into the championship series, we'll get into specifics in a second, but just to keep it broad, what was your reaction when you found out that you were going to be named Futures League Championship Series MVP? Uh, honestly, I was shocked. I had no idea. I was just so happy that we won. I honestly wasn't even thinking of anything like that. I was just glad that we won the championship in general. But, um, when they like announced my name, I was just, I was like, wow, like I did not expect that. I was so honored. I, I was, it was crazy. (laughs) And let's talk about some of those specifics in the championship for a second, seventh inning game one, you hit a game tying home run bench was going nuts. What did that do for your confidence? And what do you remember about that at bat? Yeah, so that was huge for my confidence for the rest of the series. Uh, Coming in, I didn't have a lot of ABs under my belt really before that. So I was just trying to build off whatever I could do and just do whatever I can to help the team. But um, I know that game we were down 2 nothing in the seventh, and I think it was Cole Chidobo was throwing for them, and he was throwing a really good game for them. We just couldn't string anything together. And I think it was a – I got up 3-0, and then I took the next one, which was like a really good pitch that I should have probably swung at, but – and then the next one was right there. So I just swung and that really like built my confidence. I, I honestly didn't expect that to go out when I first hit it at first. I was like, I don't know if this is getting out. So I just started running as fast as I could a second. But yeah, it was definitely built my confidence for the rest of the series and just made me feel like I could play with these guys. And you mentioned it. Colt went six deep and then got pulled in the middle of that inning. And then Carson Hobbin got brought in. So what is your approach in a presser situation like that when you're facing someone, maybe you're expecting to face Chidoba for the third time through the lineup, but just trying to feel it out and make sure that, like you said, you started 3-0, you made the pitcher kind of find the strike zone before getting into your groove. So mentality when a reliever comes in, especially in that situation, trying to just value each pitch that you're seeing. Yeah. So especially later in a game, if a starter is kind of uh, later in his pitch count and everything like that, 
and he's throwing a really good game, you kind of want to see pitches as much as possible to kind of get his pitch count up. And eventually you want to get to the bullpen. Um, and that's kind of what we we're trying to do because he was throwing a good game uh, that day. So I was just trying to see the pitches and 3-0. I didn't want to swing at the 3-0 uh, pitch because, you know, if I got out, that just looked really bad. So I wanted to see an extra pitch kind of just after the third AB too, just seeing him throw all those pitches and things like that. I was starting to get in a feel for it. And uh, yeah, so 3-1, I was just taking my hacks. So then the next game, you guys lose game one, fantastic back and forth game, have to regroup. You guys are facing Angelo Baez on the bump, the defending FCBL pitcher of the year. And you guys put up a five spot and included your two RBI single in the first inning. Did you guys feel like that was the turning point in the series? And what was the message to the team from Kyle and both internally in the locker room before that game got underway? Yeah. So before the game, Kyle just kind of came in. He was like, no pressure, like just play like it's another day. Like you want to play as loose as possible. Just have fun out there. Like that was ultimately the thing he was pushing for. He said, just have fun. Like just do your thing. Just have a good time. And I think that's kind of what helped us. Cause especially when it gets to like a championship series, guys start getting tense and things like that. And you kind of need that relaxation you need that piece from your, especially your head coach, like just relax, have a good time, have fun. And I think that was huge for us going into the game. Uh, knowing we were down uh, one game and Angelo, I've played him for a few years. I think he played for Worcester when I was in the vineyard as well. And, um, you know, we knew it was definitely, it was going to be a battle going into the game and we we're just kind of getting ready and just hoping the best and just having a fun time ultimately at the end of the day. Yeah. And another thing that was special about game two was the performance of Nick Arino, And especially because he had a supporting cast there in the box seats so what was it like watching him deal in game two and having his supporting cast there with him? Yeah, it was, it was a good experience. I, you know, he just, from the first pitch, he had control of the whole game. You could just see it on the mound. He had that look in his eyes. Like he was not going down without a fight and he was going to do anything it took to win us this game. And the crowd that he had there, I think definitely helped him a lot, you know, giving a lot of people behind you cheering for you and things like that definitely builds your confidence and everything like that. And you could just, once again, you could just see the look in his eyes. It was just, you knew he was going to do anything he could to win the game for us. Yeah, that was certainly something special to see. And just the whole series at Holman, I feel like, you know, you guys might have kind of picked up off that energy. And, you know, you guys get to game three. You became the first team to come back from a 1-0 deficit to win the series in the championship in the first 10 years. So you guys win game three. You put together a two-for-four stat line, two runs scored in an RBI, just three great performances out of yourself. But what was it like joining that dog pile when Brandon Dufault struck out that last batter, getting to finally realize like we did it just a culmination to a fantastic season. Yeah, it's, it was honestly a great experience. I've never experienced the winning championship like that. So uh, just seeing that in summer ball and we kind of got cut short in the vineyard. So I couldn't experience that there with the rain delay and things like that. But um, it was just an unbelievable experience. My heart was pumping in the last inning because I think it was it was a close game. There was runners on base. It was like a hit in the gap could have changed the whole game or anything like that. So uh, it was just a crazy experience. I was on edge the whole time at first base. But yeah, it was it was an unbelievable experience. That's all I can really say. Yeah, it was certainly fun to watch. Can't even imagine what it's like in the middle there. But from the dog pile to a year before that in 2019, you were a member of the Brockton Rocks clubhouse staff. What was that experience like being beside guys like Andy Terrio and Tom Tracy and Brockton? And then a year later being in the dog pile and being a champion. It was huge. Honestly, I learned a lot. Um, I would go into Andy's office every day and we kind of would just talk baseball and things like that. Cause 
he's a division three coach. So we kind of knew a lot of the same players. Uh, he coached against me. We played Plymouth state one time and, uh, just talking to him all the time about baseball was huge. And even Tom, Tom's been around the game for a while too. And, um, can't thank him enough for the opportunity to even do my internship over there and things like that. But I would always talk to Tom too, every day, just seeing things from not even a baseball standpoint, but from how things are ran behind the scenes too. It definitely helps knowing as a player, like all the hard work that people put in behind the scenes and you don't really realize. So, um, talking to Tom and Andy every day was huge for me building experience. I was just trying to be a sponge, uh, Ultimately, I was just trying to learn as much as I could from those two, just with the year off and going back to my senior year. And you just, you've mentioned it a couple of times so far. You were in Martha's Vineyard in 2018, and you were part of the, one, of, one of the wackiest championships I've ever seen. You guys come to game three, and a rain delay shuts down the championship, and your name co-champions. What was it like, and what was your reaction? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a different experience, I can say that. Um, I knew going into game three, we had such a – stronghold we knew this was our game like we knew it off the bat I think they went up one nothing early in the first inning and uh and I remember Matt Chamberlain hit an absolute bomb that (laughs) I think is still traveling to this day honestly and uh once he hit that we knew like we just knew we had Chance Huff on the mound who's a a Vanderbilt guy and we had all the momentum we were just so confident and it kind of it was good to be a co-champ, but at the end of the day, it was ultimately would have been better if we could have took the full game. That would have been huge for us. What is it like going from being on a Futures League team for the first time in 2018 when you were younger, experiencing that, learning from some of the older guys, and then translating that to now, either whether it was with Brockton last summer or in Nashua, paying it forward and that exchange of information between players that you know you're going to be playing against some of these guys at school, but once again, you're all on the same team and trying to improve as a collective during the summer. Yeah, so it's huge, especially for a Division three guy. Um, you're going into the Futures League. You're playing with a lot of D1 guys who, you know, they're playing around the best players in the country and things like that. So they're, they're learning every day too. But ultimately for a D3 guy, it's huge because you go in, you're learning so much not only from guys from the Northeast, but you're playing with guys from all around the country. Baseball's a little bit, played a little bit different around the country. So you're learning everyone's kind of piece of how they play and things like that. Um, and I know in the vineyard, especially when I was younger, it definitely was huge for me because learning from a lot of the other guys, I remember Nick Raposo played at Wheaton. We would talk every day. We would hit in the same group. And ultimately I knew him before that anyway, but I think by playing there, learning from him, learning from other guys like Chamberlain, um, Eric Fago, who plays at Stetson, some of those guys were just – they were just different animals when it came to hitting. So I think it was just just picking their brain and learning as much as I could from them was huge. And then even at Brockton as well, uh, I was in the clubhouse a lot, so I knew a lot of the guys. I knew Nick Shumsky and things like that. Um, we'd talk about hitting and things um, of that nature. So that was definitely big for me, and then I just put it all together when I went to Nashua. Yeah, and it certainly paid off in that championship series, that's for sure. But from your FCBL career to your college career, you're entering your final spring of college baseball at Nichols. What has it been like to be back with your teammates this spring, and how are you staying prepared for the season? It's definitely good to be back. Um, I think a lot of the guys in my class came back because we knew we had something to prove. Uh, Not a lot of us had a lot of recruiting out of high school, so this was kind of the only school that really gave us an opportunity. So we put our heads down. We just worked all four years, and to have that last year taken away just – really sucks. So I think all of us wanted to come back and really prove something. So I think that's huge. Um, It's definitely been good, but it's definitely been tough at the same time. Um, There's only so much you can really do 
with the whole COVID experience. Uh, we're only allowed a certain amount of guys to be in a practice at a certain time and things like that. And if someone tests positive, you know, we got to shut the practice down from that nature or guys are kind of restricted. It's, it's definitely a tough experience, but you just got to take it and you got to run with it. I know um, our head coach, Tim Mayo, his, one of his big things is Jocko Wilnick. And one of the things that that guy always says is good, regardless, whatever happens, just say good and keep moving on. Cause you can't hold on to the past. You just got to keep going forward and whatever happens, happens. Before we return to our interview with Kyle Bouchard, once again, we wanted to give a big shout out and thanks to change up one of the FCBL's cornerstone sponsors. ChangeUp is a cutting-edge, player-centric pitch and performance management application. By comprehensively and accurately tracking pitch activity and capturing critical in-game performance data, ChangeUp helps baseball coaches protect their pitchers from overuse and helps players reach their full potential safely. During the 2020 season, FCBL teams reap the benefits of the ChangeUp application, including the ability to keep college coaches informed on what and how their players are doing here in the FCBL. Coaches and parents at all levels, Little League, AAU, high school, and the collegiate level take notice. Changeup is a clear choice to ensure your pitchers aren't being thrown too much or too often and are getting proper rest. In addition, Changeup's analytics function helps coaches and players understand each pitcher's current performance thresholds and helps inform training protocols to get your players to the next level. The Futures League is bringing you tomorrow's baseball superstars today. Changeup is helping make sure those superstars travel safely and as far as possible on their personal baseball journeys. Are you ready to join the ChangeUp revolution? For more information, visit ChangeUp's website, www.changeup.io. That's www.change-up.io. ChangeUp, every pitch counts. We now return to our interview with Kyle Bouchard. Well, we're hoping that you guys get underway this spring without too many bumps along the road because we know how many there have been in the last year. And at Nichols, you rank top 10 in program history in numerous categories, couple on the defensive side, you're also top five in ribbies, doubles, hits, and walks. So what is it like being one of the more successful players to ever lace it up there with the Bison, and especially considering that getting one last go of it and taking care of that unfinished business that you mentioned? Yeah, so it's definitely been good. It's been an honor to play here. Um, I definitely loved the experience, so I think that's why it made me want to come back for another year in general. But ultimately, all the other – like the individual stats, like they're an honor, but at the end of the day, I think I'm just, I just want another ring. Like, that's just the biggest thing. Like we just want to win another conference, but uh, going off, like just learning things like that too. Like Cam Cook was, he was kind of like my mentor when I got here. Um, he kind of took me under his wing and showed me the ropes of hitting. You know, he's one of the all time greats at hitting at Nichols too, as well. So I think learning from him was a huge experience and definitely helped me a lot when it came to where I am today. So, yeah, you just touched on it. Your GM of Nashua, Cam Cook, is also a Nichols baseball alum, and you played with him for two seasons in 2017 and 2018. So what was it like having that connection with him, and what have been the most important things that you learned from him? Yeah, so it was big. Uh, going in as a freshman in college, you know, sometimes, like, you're not as disciplined as those older guys. They've been around the game for so much longer, so they've seen a lot more things. And I think that's one thing he kind of instilled into me was discipline. Um, kind of stay within yourself. You know, if you get out, don't get mad, like move on, like things like that. And ultimately he said, everyone is kind of like their own hitter. You just got to know what's good for you, what works for you, how you're comfortable and things like that. I think that was huge. And then going to Nashua too, even, even though he's my GM, I could still go in his office and I'd talk to him sometimes about like my ABs or things like that. And he'd always give me advice and I just always wanted me to do good. So I think that's what really helped me over time. And it was, I'm very grateful he took me under his wing. 
And you guys play in the Commonwealth Coast Conference. You were named second team all CCC in 2018 and 2019. You guys have never made the NCAA tournament in school history. What would it mean to you to get there? And as you mentioned, you're not here to keep putting up stats. You're here to ring chase. You're here to go for one final lap around and take nickels where they've never been before. Yeah, so that's definitely huge. I know um, ultimately we definitely want to do it as a group in general like that, but also for our coach, Tim Mayo. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, he just wants to win. Like that's just his main goal. He doesn't care about individual success. Like he just wants to win. Like at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Um, and I think at the end of the day too, you're going to remember a championship way more than individual stats. And you definitely get a lot closer with the guys that you do, you win with. So I think that's huge. And especially since, like you said, Nichols has never done it. That's one thing. Coming in our freshman year, that was like the president. Like we wanna, we wanna do what we can to get this team to win a conference, go on to the NCAA's, and you know, we're a little inexperienced when it comes to that. But at the end of the day, we're gonna do whatever we can and just grind as long as we can until we can do it. It's all you can do, right? Yeah. So I gotta ask one more individual question because I know I know you're all about the team, the team, the team, but. You're really good defensively. We were looking at your stats. You lead the program in terms of most ever put outs, which kind of makes sense as a four-year first baseman, but you also lead it in terms of fielding percentage. I believe it's 989, which is super impressive. So what does that add to your game just to be a lockdown guy at first base and know that you're getting those appearances every day? You've started in like all but three games over the last two years at school. Yeah, so that's definitely huge for me. Um, Getting on the field my freshman year, I knew – that was one thing I really had to put forth because uh, going in, I was one of the lowest guys on the depth chart my freshman year. So I wanted to make an emphasis on my defensive game. I knew my offensive game, like I, I was working hard at it every day and I knew there was just something that needed to get me on the field more. And that was defensively. Um, so I just made that an everyday thing. I just wanted to get as good as possible. And I think it helps all around, like even other positions too. If you have a guy that, you know, like, and you have confidence in to make the play all the time, like it helps in general. Um, that's like a catcher. Like if you have confidence in your catcher, it changes the whole aspect of the game in general. So that's what I wanted to do ultimately for my team, knowing when they're throwing the ball over to me at first or whether it's hit at me, that they have confidence in me to make the play and just do whatever I can to help the team over there. Yeah, you know what they say, defense wins championships. So let's hope that comes true for you. Exactly. So we've asked almost every Division Three player that's come on this podcast this question, but how much pride do you take in playing for a Division Three school? Yeah, it's definitely it definitely takes a lot of pride and I love it, honestly. Um, it's like a gritty aspect, you know, like you come in, like you don't get as much as the Division One programs. You don't really have the funding like that. So you got to fundraise. You got to do everything you can possible to help the program. And honestly, like I love that at the end of the day, that was kind of like my high school, too. We had to do the same stuff. It was an inner city high school. So we kind of had to fundraise. We had to do all those things. So coming in, I was kind of used to that. And that's kind of what I wanted. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think. You know, once you really take it in and you have the pride in the program you play in, it makes a huge difference in the long run. And I think that's definitely what I've done over this four years. That's awesome. Great answer. And before we get to our final segment, how about a message to the fans as we get a little bit closer to the summer? Yeah, uh, well, hopefully the Futures League is allowed to play this summer. I know they did last summer. It was definitely not an easy one, but um, definitely looking forward to it. Um, I know all the fans, you should be too with all the teams coming back. I think Pittsfield's making an appearance again, too, and things like that. So definitely going to be a great experience to see some college baseball out there and see guys get back to it and have fun. Absolutely. And we are 
under three months away from first pitch on opening day. I can't wait. So it's honestly on the day we're recording, it's Wednesday afternoon. It's almost 50 degrees. I stepped outside and when I closed my eyes for a second, it felt like spring. So I'll take that. So as Owen mentioned, we're moving on to our final segment. It's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Zephyr high quality and innovative design since 1993. So, Kyle, we wanted to ask you a couple more questions for our audience to get to know you a little bit better, if that's cool with you. Yeah, it's perfect. Awesome. All right. How about your favorite teammate that you've played with in the Futures League? Favorite teammate. This one's definitely tough because there's a lot of them that are up there, honestly. Um, I'd probably say in the vineyard, Nick Raposa, because, you know, I knew him going – he was the only guy on the team I actually knew going in. Um, and like I said, we'd hit every day. We'd talk about hitting mechanics, things like that. Um, I'd go hit with him early. I'd go work out with him sometimes. So he was definitely a guy that just I wanted to learn from as much as possible. Um, I knew he was an All-American, things like that. He's plays for the St. Louis Cardinals now. So it was definitely a good guy to learn from. I'd probably say that's just as much as I could learn from him, that was probably the best experience. I like that. Good answer. And how about a favorite ballpark that you've played in and maybe one that you've attended as a fan? So I would probably say PNC Park for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, I went there a few years ago, and I've been to a few stadiums, and I love Fenway. Like, Fenway's a great, but I'm a Red Sox fan. But at the end of the day, the Pittsburgh Pirates Stadium is just a whole diff- like different atmosphere. It's just just walking over the bridge to get to the stadium was just crazy experience itself. And then, you know, the river's right behind it, so you're seeing all these boats go by, and, it's just there's no bad seat in the ballpark, honestly, over there. Yeah, definitely one that's high up on my bucket list. How about a favorite ballpark you've played in over your years? Honestly, I'd probably have to say Nashua. Um, going there and playing there was just a great experience in general with all the fans. I think I think the fans definitely helped the atmosphere a lot. So, you know, going to Holman every day, like the field's in great condition. They take care of it a lot. I think that was probably one of the better fields I've played at in my career. Very nice. Great facility and uh, always good to be comfortable at home. So that's a good answer. How about a sports stadium or more broadly, a sporting event that's on your bucket list that you want to go to? I think this is probably a lot that you get from this one, but the Super Bowl for sure. Um, That's just, it's such a once in a lifetime experience. You know, it's one game a year and it's just the most televised game in the country. And especially with the Pats, I'm a big Patriots fan. So them going to the Super Bowl every year. I definitely need to get to one eventually. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I need to get there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're not alone in that. You're right. So how about walk-up music? What is Kyle Bouchard walking up to the dish, whether it was last summer, whether it's something you have in store for the spring? So it's usually always rap. Um, I like switching it off every, every year, essentially. Uh, As of right now, it's probably, I got it on me by pop smoke. That's what I did in Nashua. And for some reason that song just gets me amped up when I go to the plate. And sometimes if you see me, like I'll be singing it like through my lips on the, at the plate over there. So uh, definitely that's probably the song of choice. I'd have to say. Love it. Little, little fitty reference in there too. Never (laughs) bad, never bad. Um, So you've said your favorite big league teams, the Red Sox, how about a favorite player, whether it's current or historical. So growing up, I was always a Nomar Garcia-Parra fan. Um, I don't know why it was just something about his game that I just loved, you know, when I was younger, that was like the first guy that I was, that was the first Jersey I had. That was like, I had a sign in my room that said no more. Um, 
ultimately that was probably my favorite guy growing up. I'd have to say he was just such a good shortstop for the Sox and things like that. And I was honestly so upset when they traded him. Uh, but that's definitely probably the number one guy I'd say that I'm a fan of. Yeah, that's a great answer. And that's one of the rare ones we've heard on this podcast. So shout out to you for that. And then how about a baseball nickname or a nickname in general that you've been given over the years? So honestly, the only thing people call me is Boosh. I've never, when people call me Kyle, I'm kind of like, whoa, like I've never, I don't really hear that anymore. Um, regardless if it's from baseball or my friends in general, um, Boosh has always, it's probably been there since I've been in elementary school, to be honest. So it's just been carrying out throughout my whole life. So I'm just so used to that at this point. That's great. And are you superstitious at all? Yeah. So you always got to put on, you know, the same turf at the same, the right turf first and the left or vice versa or whatever. So for me, it's right turf, left turf. And it's kind of same that same thing with my cleats, my batting gloves. Um, and I have the same kind of walkout I do to the plate every time. Um, I got to get in this like comfortable position. I kick dirt around the whole batter's box, tap the plate once, and then kind of get ready to go. I think every, mostly every baseball player is pretty superstitious. So I think it's the same things I do every day. Um, if I don't do them, I just feel way off and I feel like it's going to work. So I just got to keep doing the same things every day. Yeah. Nothing wrong with a little routine as we've said many times. Yeah. And then how about favorite ballpark food? Probably cliche, but I have to say a Fenway Frank, like, you know, just going to Fenway all the time. You just show up. That's the number one thing I feel like people buy when they go there. And that's every time I go there, I got to get that. So that's definitely the number one ballpark food. Yeah, you can never, ever, ever go wrong with the Fenway Frank. No. And then bubblegum or sunflower seeds? I got to go sunflower seeds, honestly. I'm a big cracked pepper guy. I think that's my favorite kind. And then the Buffalo Ranch after that. So, but cracked pepper is definitely the go-to. Awesome. And then lastly, how about a favorite all-time baseball memory? (sighs) Favorite all-time baseball memory? As of now, it's probably got to be the championship. Um, that's just an experience I've never experienced before. And, you know, that was just something that was just so great that that was probably my all-time baseball experience, honestly. Yeah, definitely tough to top. Like you said, that dog pile and that ring that you're yeah. still chasing at Nichols too to yeah. add one more to the collection. So exactly, Kyle, Boosh, whatever you want to call him, thank you so <laughs> much for joining us today and best of luck with everything this spring and going forward. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me today. Me and Matt are back here at the end of the episode. We just wanted to thank you guys so much once again for listening this time on season two. We had 12 excellent episodes and a bunch of excellent guests, and we can't wait for the Futures League 2021 summer. Really excited for it. And Matt, anything to add? No, as always, thank you guys. These episodes are a ton of fun to pump out and You know, I'm assuming these are some of our more dedicated listeners who are tuning in at the very end of the last episode of this season. So thank you guys for all your support. Hope to have some more great content on the way. And Owen, as always, ton of fun doing these with you. Looking forward to more in the future. Yeah, 100%. Can't wait. So finally, this has been the season two finale of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. Make sure to subscribe. We're streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And keep an eye out on all the latest news leading up to the 2021 season. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon. Thanks, everybody.